Hello friends, I'm Mo, and this is The Shit That Chicas Do. For this episode, I'd like to share my thoughts and feelings about the tragic events that have led up to the protests and rioting of the past few days. I'd like to warn you that I will be using triggering words and I will be cussing, mostly out of anger. George Floyd was murdered by a shitty human being that was a cop. His murder was recorded and shared thousands and thousands of times before our eyes this man's life was taken. This is not the movies, this is not fiction. This is life, and his life was ripped from his body before our eyes. The protests have turned into an open and blatant race war. A race war that has existed undercover for ages for some of us. By undercover, I'm referring to people who are not Black. Uh, Because for Black people, this war has been up front and center their entire lives. That war has existed while the rest of us are going on with our lives. At work, at school, shopping malls, at parties, in your everyday lives. These are not things that the majority of the people deal with, but Black people do. The black community has been suffering for years. And there are people that are being targeted just because they're not white. This is why this is happening. Now, we all know that racism exists, whether it's in your front yard or not. We're aware. Every single one of my friends knows that this exists. There is no denying it. We've all had conversations about it. Now, whether you agree with the riots or not, You have to admit that this protest has support, has evidence, fuel, hurt, injustice, anger, and reason. Here, now that I have your ear, I'd like to discuss how you can change it. As one friend said to me yesterday, it starts at home. It's all I can do in this minute to raise my kids the right way with love, she said, to teach them how to love and give. So let's talk about our homes. First, I'm going to come clean. In my lifetime, I have said some stupid shit. I have said some racist shit. My ignorance as a young girl came from a lack of diversity in my life and the anti-blackness that I was surrounded by. I was lucky to have been checked every time I made a stupid comment about black people. And even after I surrounded myself by Black people who consider me their friend, I still said some stupid racist shit. Thinking I was just being funny or just making a comment, not realizing that I was hurting them. But I got checked. I got checked quick. And I changed my ways. Thank you, Black friends. But it it wasn't easy to flip a switch. I had to ask questions. I had to ask them how and why. And I really needed to get to know other people's experiences in order to understand it. I had to understand something that I may have not been through at that time. I had to understand compassion about the everyday lives of Black people in America. I'm not Black. Y'all know this. My skin is not even brown. I'm more of a yellow. I'm a white passing Mexican, as I have described myself in the past. 
And I've said it before, if I don't open my mouth, most people don't know I'm Mexican. In my life, I have been followed around a store to assure that I don't put shit in my pockets, either because I may have looked nefarious or because a person decided that they heard me speak Spanish and therefore I must be a thief. I don't know. I never bother to ask. But my negative experiences are nothing compared to those of my dark-skinned friends, not just my black friends, um, but also my, my brown friends, darker-skinned than me. So as a child, I was, I guess, considered the, the cute one, right? The color bonito, the nice complexion. I was born pretty bald, but the little bit of hair I did have was kind of blonde. So I'm sure the bios were praised. Like, oh, you're so lucky. She's got good complexion. Uh, I never got shit for being my skin color, uh, for being born just as I am. I was picked on for being overweight, but that's a whole different discussion. I can't say the same for my sister, though. I do distinctly remember one of my mom's sisters telling my sister to her face that she was an ugly kid, um, that she was too prieta, she was too dark. Clearly that's mean because that sentiment was that because she was dark, she was not pretty or good enough. And you can't say that kind of shit to a teenager without causing some damaging self-esteem. You should never say that to another human being, but here we are with deep cuts of our generation and some cuts don't heal. As a kid, I thought that was just how family got along. I didn't realize it was abusive. I thought that people love you with the truth, even if the truth hurts. But that's not truth, that's an opinion. And it's an opinion that comes from colorism. Uh, as a teen one day, um, I had an experience with my sister. She and I were driving to her work. She was gonna let me borrow her car while she was at work. Now my sister was not the best young driver. Sorry sister, I just outed you. Um, she gunned it through a yield sign to avoid being stuck in traffic too long. And she had to cross two lanes of travel to enter a parking lot. Uh, the city planning was not great back home, to say the least. Anyway, um, she pulled into the parking lot, we parked the car, and um, as she was ready to exit, one vehicle pulled over behind us. And the driver was a white male uh, who yelled and said that he had to brake really hard and that damaged his tires and you're going to pay for my tire replacement, you and I quote, Mexican bitch. She responded with something like, I ain't paying for shit, you white asshole. And she just proceeded to get out of the car and walk inside. The dude took off and I was left there with the understanding that no matter what good or bad thing my dark-skinned sister did, she would only ever be identified as a quote-unquote Mexican bitch to white supremacy. Uh, my family has lived in their little corner of Texas their entire lives, at least most of them have. Uh, and really that's a bubble of protection. When you have 90% bodies around you that are just like you, you're protected. Outside of that, the supremacy has categorized you as un-American and therefore, you know, get out of my country, America, right? So this leads me to my next point. 
I've heard in my lifetime too many Latinx friends and family refer to other Latinx who are not born in the U.S. as quote-unquote wetbacks or spicks. A distinction to separate themselves from your, you know, your own people because the others are clearly less than. Someone told you that they're less than. And, you know, we're America. We were born here, so we're better. But it, it begins at home. If you for one minute think that when you leave the comfort of your little corner in Texas, that you and them are different to the supremacy, you are wrong. And by using words like that in casual conversation or in aggression, you're giving power to white supremacy. That's the same supremacy that in the past beat and belittled and stole and raped from your ancestors, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. They came to the U.S. to make sure that their bloodline had a better life, not so that you'd forget where you came from. You can use those words to describe people just like them, but to live better lives, to live with love and prosperity and joy and pride for your culture. So by using those words, you clearly don't care that you sound ignorant and hateful as fuck, but you're also killing the hard work of your ancestors, the people who bled so that you could be here. By using those words, you are telling white supremacy that it is righteous because you are using their words to describe our people. You're adding fuel to that fire that they're going to use to burn us down. You're not honoring the sacrifice of our ancestors. So while we're on the topic, let's talk about anti-Blackness sentiment that is still present in our community. Check yourself when you think things like, X people are lazy because you have encountered one or two lazy people of that race at work or at school or out shopping. Now you've labeled an entire race as lazy because of your experience with two people. How many times as a brown person have you heard the term lazy Mexicans? Or to oppose that, wow, those Mexicans are hardworking. Like they're surprised that hard work can come from us. And you think, shit, I've got two jobs and I'm raising these kids and I take care of my mom. When do I have time to be lazy? But you hear these racists throw that shit at you like it's a fact. So now consider the shit that comes out of your mouth when you're talking about black people. When you say, well, not all black people are, but, and then you give an example. Stop. Listen to yourselves. You're spewing racist shit. Even if you're not wanting to oppress anyone or feel someone who is black doesn't deserve the same as you, by you commenting about how black people are too blank, you know, fill in the blank with whatever racist shit you want to say, you are spewing racist shit. Check your thoughts. Why do you feel superior? Most importantly, check your words around your kids. 
If you want the social unrest to be resolved, make sure that the next generation doesn't have to have this protest again. That people don't have to chant Black Lives Matter too in another 30 years again. It starts with you. Hate and prejudice, even in microaggressions, they begin with you. Get that hate out of your head and out of your hearts. Progress. Be better than the shit spewed on you by your parents who maybe didn't know better or didn't want to know better. But you can be better. I speak to all of my friends here. To my white friends, to my Asian friends, to my Jewish friends. We stand united. We have to stand united with the Black Lives Matter movement. This is an us versus them movement. It's an oppressed versus oppressor movement. Within the oppressed group, we have too much division. We have a mutual enemy, and we have to work together to fix that system. The social unrest needs to be fixed with unity to find peace for this nation. Also, go vote. For the love of all that is holy, go fucking vote. Stop making excuses if you don't know enough about uh, political issues to make a decision like that. You have the internet. Educate yourselves. Stop saying that politics don't interest you. Does your safety interest you? Go fucking vote. Stop siding with the oppressor with your silence. Be better. This is the time to take a side. Don't be on the wrong side of history. Because if you don't know me yet, I'll never forget. And I will give you shit for the rest of our lives. You have to be involved. This is the time. So on this podcast, we celebrate the great shit chicas do. And I'd like to honor a young woman who was murdered in her home in March. Brianna Taylor would have been 27 on June 5th of this year. She was an essential worker. Through this pandemic, she put herself on the line to continue her duty as an EMT. I found an article on NPR with statements from her loved ones. The article referenced how she loved to play cards with her aunts and loved watching movies. She was known to her friends and family as Brie. She had moved from Michigan to Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky when she was a teen. She came from a large family. One aunt called her Minimi. One uncle called her Breezy. And another described her as a cool cat. Her family spent a lot of time together. As an EMT, Brianna had long shifts, but people who knew her said that she, quote, welcomed the opportunity to give back and to make a difference in someone's life. Her friends and family state she was interested in pursuing her career in healthcare because people were important to her. In a Facebook post about her recovering uncle, Brianna said, quote, working in healthcare is so rewarding. It makes me feel so happy when I know I've made a difference in someone's life. I'm so appreciative of all the staff that has helped my uncle through this difficult time and those that will continue to make a difference in his life. 
On March 13, 2020, Brianna and her boyfriend were home in their apartment. The following is from the NPR article. I'm going to go ahead and read it. The article was very well written. And I think it highlights her life and the love that people had for her. She and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were at home in her apartment when a team of plain-clothed Louisville police officers arrived to execute a no-knock warrant early March 13th. According to her family's lawyers, the subject of the investigation was not Taylor, but a man she had dated previously who once sent a package to her apartment. When police broke into the apartment, Walker, the boyfriend, thought they were being robbed, Taylor's lawyers say. A licensed gun owner, he grabbed his weapon and shot an officer in the leg. The officers returned fire, shooting dozens of times, killing Taylor, according to the wrongful death suit by the family. Police arrested Walker, and he was charged with attempted murder of a police officer. Those charges have since been dropped. Even in being a prosecutor, I've never seen that many bullets in one apartment, says Lolita, Lonita Baker, a personal injury attorney representing Taylor's family. In addition to the lawsuit, the family is also seeking departmental policy changes on body cameras and no-knock warrants. The earliest news stories covering her death didn't mention her name at all. Instead, focusing on an injury to a police officer and referring to Taylor and Walker as suspects. Taylor's family said they felt anger when reading those early stories. I probably said more cuss words in that little time than I said throughout my whole life, says Belle, her uncle. Angry is an understatement. Austin, her aunt, says she believed that along with the burgeoning coronavirus outbreak, that this early narrative of Taylor as a suspect is why the family had difficulty finding funeral service providers. Now, two months later, most of the nation knows Taylor's story. Thousands of protesters across the country demonstrating against police violence chant her name, along with George Floyd's. In Louisville, Taylor takes center stage, literally, with a mural of her smiling face drawn in chalk in downtown's Jefferson Square Park. The family says it lifts them up to know her story is being heard, but also makes it harder to grieve. Every time I see her or someone says her name, I cry. I break down, says Vaughn, Taylor's high school friend. They're really supporting you, Taylor. Everyone knows your story. You're going to be heard, finally. Austin says Taylor's family is grateful that her name is where, sorry, grateful that her name is where she should be. But we don't want this at all, she continues. We want her back. I would rather just go back in time. For what would have been Taylor's 27th birthday, friends and family have planned a public celebration of her life Saturday in downtown Louisville. They plan to release balloons and butterflies, and they are expecting a large crowd. I'm praying to God, Austin says, we need a real change in America. I got to still raise a little black boy here in the world we live in. Nobody's safe. If this can happen to Brianna, it could happen to anybody. 
Taylor's friend Hunter says, she always said she would be a legend. I just never imagined it would be like this. Um, you can find that article on npr.org. There's more to it. That was just a, a short um, excerpt. And so there's also an 11-minute audio clip that you can listen to um, involving the story. The cops involved um, have been suspended but not charged. So remember yourselves as 27-year-olds and think of what you have accomplished in that time since. And now know that Brianna won't have that opportunity to do all the things that you have done. All of those people's lives that she was going to touch and affect will be missing her influence and her love. Brianna Taylor, say her name. Always remember her. I leave you with this, friends. Saying I'm not a racist is not enough. If you can't protest, then donate. Find a cause and help. And if you can't donate, then speak and vote. The last two are free. And we have plenty of time during this pandemic to do more. There's no excuse. Use your platforms and correct your people when you hear them spew racist shit at home in your circles. You don't have to put yourself in danger. I'm saying speak to the people in your circle. Help them see that those microaggressions turn into microaggressions. And those aggressions water the seeds of racism. When you feel you have to insult people because they've done you wrong, don't use race. If someone cut you off on the road, then they're a crap-ass driver. It had nothing to do with their race. If someone is disrespectful or uncouth and it offends you, it's not race-related. Don't bring that up. They're disrespectful, uncouth people has nothing to do with the color of their skin. Get those ideas out of your head and out of your mouths. In the words of W. W. Kamal Bell, wash your hands and wash your souls, because this is the time frame. Remember that I love you. This podcast is a love letter to you, friends. Thank you for coming out to play. Share with your people and talk with your people. These things matter. Remember, Tia Mo loves you. Amor y luz, mi gente. Peace. Till next time.